Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy, you homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Wednesday, June 10th, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. Man, this fucking blog talk is giving me fucking heart attack out of this bitch, man. I, I just did the show on Saturday, and when I logged on to this fucking thing, on Saturday it gave me this crazy audio issues where I could barely hear anybody. Today it gave me some shit where I couldn't even call into my own show. But either way you look at it, I do have my guest back on the line, and that is the one and only ultra-violent beast, Masada. What's going on, hey, how's man? how's it going, guys? Hey, how's it going, bro? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. I've been hoping to have you on for a while, um, and uh, got a ton to ask you, man. I'm just going to get right into it. Um, you uh, you trained in Texas, right? Uh-huh. 
Um, what's the difference in, you know, the training, you know, the down south uh, Texas training as opposed to, like, the northeast training and, and things like that? Uh, I would honestly say, like, the, the northeast training, uh, well, for me, like, when my first trainer, Steve Overy and Rudy Boy Gonzalez, they came from, like, old trainers like Buzz Sawyer and Manny Fernandez. So we used to get our asses kicked, but, like, hand it to us and stretch. Um, but from what I've seen, the training in the Northeast is not like that. People get pampered and, like, you know, things kind of get handed to them. And that's not me talking shit. That's just me see, saying how I see it. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, here you really got to pay your dues to get on shows and, like, really, you know, bust your ass and get some type of respect and actually be able to be called a worker. But mind you, this is 16 years ago. <laughs> so things have changed. Sure. Yeah. Um, the first time I actually saw you wrestle was in Ring of Honor back in 03, I think it was. And they had those scrambles. Uh-huh. That was the uh, the Carnage crew. And you had um, uh, Don Juan and Fast Eddie and Hot Stuff Hernandez. Um, you know, what was your uh-huh. thoughts about back then getting into Ring of Honor and everything? What's that? Sorry. Well, you know, what was your thoughts going into the, you know, that situation back Ring of Honor? Uh, I mean, going into Ring of Honor at the time, it's like, you know, there was a lot of, like, build-up hype on it. And it's like, oh, this is going to be a big deal. And eventually it's going to turn into something. I mean, ECW had closed out and WCW closed. There's not a lot of whole places to work. And then you had TNA, but, you know, that's kind of like you know, a little politics game right there. Um, right. I mean, going into it, like, you know, you you want something. For me, I always wanted more out of Ring of Honor. And I, I feel like I honestly never got that. But, uh right. I mean, going there, I mean, it was great. I mean, we would actually drive there. It would be, like, 26 hours driving, like, Boston or New York and only get six minutes and with, like, six guys. And that's not a whole lot of time to get anything in. But uh, we always made the best of it. You know, I think we always kind of got the short end of the stick. You know, Fast Eddie left. He went to Ireland. And Sean Hernandez left and went to TNA. And then I left and I went to Japan. So that's kind of how it was. Yeah. I always wanted to go back and always wanted to get another run on it. Absolutely, yeah. And your time there, I mean, you guys started out, you were doing a lot of pretty hardcore stuff for Ring of Honor. I think that was even, like, a little before they started doing, like, the Fight Without Honor stuff. So it was Uh kind of groundbreaking for what they were doing. Um, Yeah. Do you think that uh, it was was before their time, so to speak, or do they weren't ready for that type of thing, or at least the audience? Uh, You know, I really don't know. I mean, to me, it's like when we started doing all this, like, the no-rules hardcore matches, uh, it was kind of like the boys throwing it out there. Of course, Connor's crew was already a hardcore, a hardcore gimmick. Um, so I mean, I just fit in there right, right away. Cause like, you know, I'm from, well, a lot of people might not know this, but I'm originally from Beaumont, Texas, close to Louisiana. And like, I grew up watching like, you know, bands like Pantera, Gold Whore, Down, and uh, Super Joy Ritual. Like I grew up around these people. Actually, I'm friends with these guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just fit in with that and that's what Gabe put me in and that worked out. But yeah, to answer the question, as far as, like, the hardcore stuff, I think that was more or less, like, we were down to do it, and then we just kind of, like, you know, took the ball and just ran with it. It wasn't anything that Ring of Honor had planned. They didn't really realize that we were going to go that crazy. But mm-hmm. honestly, if you ever watch the shows in Texas, like, that shit was nothing. You know, we used to do a lot yeah. of crazy shit here, and, you know, the Northeast fans got to get a little bit of a taste of it. Yeah. Um, and then when you got into the scramble cage thing, you're doing four fifties off the cage. I mean, what, uh, yep. what sparked that? You're a big fucking guy. And, uh, uh-huh. y- you know, what's, what sparked you, uh, you know, pulling that one out? 
Well, I mean, the thing is, like, it's crazy. It's kind of like when I was going back before, like, you know, 16 years in. And uh, when I broke in, like, I'm, I'm not considered a big guy in Texas. There's a lot of big guys. Um, taller than me, bigger than me, and whatnot. And uh, when I first started, I was more of a junior weight. So I used to do all that stuff. I used to do springboard 450 splashes, uh, the the springboard uh, tilt-to-roll crossover, and then do a moonsault off to the floor. You know, people seem mm-hmm. super crazy do that. I used to do shit like that. And if you ever watched me in uh, NWA Wildside, you would see me pull that off. So for me to yeah. go up to the cage and do a 450 splash, that was, that's nothing really new. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. doing it from a cage to the floor for 15 feet up in the air, that's something different. But it's that confidence level of knowing I can do it and just putting confidence in hoping that the, the guys there catch me, which if you watch that, I actually cut through them pretty quick and you hear a thud. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just you want a job, you want a spot, and you want to, like, put a spot in, like, concrete. And, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, when you had your couple WWE matches, I mean, you're a guy who's, you know, well-versed in many styles and, um, you know, mm-hmm. you're very confident in your ability because I've seen you wrestle, you. you know, Adam Cole to, you uh-huh. know, the strong style to the death match. So was it difficult going into the WWE system where you're kind of handcuffed into what they want you to do? Uh, for me, no. I mean, honestly, when I did matches for WWE, I actually liked it better than when I did matches for TNA. And the reason why mm-hmm. I say that is WWE actually wanted to see, well, what can this guy do? And, of course, you're right. doing a lot of basic stuff because, you know, they don't know me. and You know, they don't want their guys on TV getting hurt, so I understand that. Um, but for me, they actually gave me the ability to show more wrestling, to uh, take bigger bumps. And in TNA, I've literally, you know, get tagged into a tag match, tuck the clothesline, and the next thing I'm getting kicked in the head, and that's all I got, you know? So you don't really get to see anything. You don't get to really tell what this guy has. And, uh, you know, WWE to me, it was like, it was it was good. It was a good experience. And then, uh, you know, I'd always like to go back and do tryouts. I don't know if I'd ever want to get signed on with that and try to do NXT and just deal with the bullshit. Because, I mean, right. a lot of people know or are very aware. There's a lot of hazing in it, and a lot of people try to run you off. And it's been 16 years of doing this, and I don't feel like putting up with people's shit, you know? Cause, right. I mean, that's the best way I can explain it. Right. Um, now, what do you think it takes? Because, I mean, obviously Mick Foley made a huge impact in the WWE doing the things that he did there. There's guys like you uh-huh. who have been doing that, you know, on, on a different level and on a higher level on the indies yeah. in Japan and everything else. What does it take to actually break through and, and be another Mick Foley, or is that a one-shot deal for WWE, you think? I honestly think, like, when that became popular, like, deathmatch wrestling, hardcore, blood and guts, I've been around before I was ever even born. Um, Smoky Mountain, ECW, FMW, Wing, uh, IWA Puerto Rico, which is actually the ones that originally started doing all the crazy deathmatches. A lot of people don't know that, mm-hmm. but all that stuff came from Puerto Rico. Um, okay. It had its niche when you had, like, the what people call the attitude era, which I think is stupid. To me, it was more like the era of, like, hardcore and, like, extreme wrestling, like, with the ECW. Um, I, yeah, I think that niche is gone, and uh, now it's all about the, the smaller high-flyer guys, which taps, it pisses me off, but, you know, it is what it is. So, I think yeah. also, too, like, Vince doesn't like, you know, guys that have scars on them and all the freaks and whatnot, and uh, it's more or less about freak boys nowadays which blows my mind, too, because back in the day, when you see a wrestler, say, for example, me and you at the bar, 
you want to see that guy like, oh, I don't know what he does, but I know I don't want to fuck with him, you know, because I know he'll kick right. my ass. How many guys on on wrestling rosters that are, like, actually making a good living are is anybody fucking intimidated by? Like, hardly any of them. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. shit, but, I mean, I'm just saying, like, straight up, like, I, I wouldn't buy a ticket for that. But, of course, it's a different age, a different era, and WWE's PG now. TNA does mm-hmm. a little bit of, like, the hardcore stuff, but it's very watered-down based. Which I understand yeah. because of TV purposes, and I get it. They're not going to do stuff like Big Japan or like, you know, Freedoms or FMW or any of that. You know, they're just going to keep a very mild tone, which I get. But yeah. it does get very frustrating because, you know, people know me for that. But like you were saying earlier, it's like I can wrestle all styles. It doesn't matter. I can do lucha. I can do technical. Whatever you want. Absolutely. And that's it. Um. So, you know, when you said you, you left Ring of Honor and you went to Japan, you spent a lot of time in Japan. And, um, uh-huh. you know, what was it like adjusting to the culture and becoming more or less one of their guys over there? Well, for me, it's like I enjoyed Japan a lot better because, you know, I felt like I actually got a shot there. Like, okay, we want you to do this. We want you to get your stuff in. And the only thing that you had to do with Japan is a little bit, it's like, you know, a little bit of racism. But sad to say that's everywhere. Um but for me, like, I didn't get any judgments from the fans, and I didn't have to deal with, like, cutthroat politics in the locker room because so-and-so doesn't like me because I'm bigger than them or I do something better than they do, which I don't think a lot of guys even talk about that, but that's the worst way of doing fucking business. And for boys that listen to this, like, seriously, if you're going to cut people's shit off because you're intimidated, then realistically you shouldn't even have that job to begin with. And the thing is, right. if I'm working with you and we're our match gets over, we both get over. That's both a win for both of us. Not, hey, I'm going to cut sure. your shit down because I'm intimidated by you. It's fucking stupid. But uh, in Japan, I didn't have to deal with that shit, you know. And, and uh, at that time, you know, I wasn't really making that much money. Sometimes I was doing shows and not getting paid anything. And then when I went to Japan, I was getting paid. And it's like, okay, well, this is where I'm making the most money. This is where I'm going to stick it out at. And uh, I stayed there for a good eight years and it's been 11 years. Now I actually just do like spot shows there. I'll go there for like a week or two weeks and I'll come back home. But I used to stay there for months to years. And that was just to build a name, build a reputation and also make a living, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, who were some of your favorite guys to work over there? Obviously, Kasai's, you know, probably one of the biggest names coming out of Japan, but obviously Ido and those other guys. I, I always so love working with Ju Kasai. Uh, well, yeah. Ju Kasai, Sataki Takashi. Uh, Miyamoto, Daisuke Sekimoto. Um, really, I mean, there's not too many guys over there that I didn't enjoy working with, you know. Uh, right. I'd say the probably, person I probably least like working with, and it was just because of it, uh, you know, butting heads, but that was Ito, you know. Like, it would be yeah. like pulling teeth to get him to do something and try to change something. And like every every match, it seemed like we were doing the same shit. And this is on TV, mind you. So if we're doing the same fucking thing. You're just showing that this is bullshit, which I, I can't stand. Right. If you watch any one of my matches, you'll never see me do the same thing over. I always change it up, whether it be right. high risk or it be as simple as just putting someone in a spinning toe hold and show you Terry Fuck. You'll never know. Like, I always change shit up. Sure. Um, when you originally came into CZW, um, do you think it took so long for you to get into CZW because of um, – I mean, did Zandig not like you, or was it because you were in Japan, or, or what was the deal? Uh, it was because I was in Japan. I, I was living there. I lived in Japan, and uh, I really, at the time, I really had no interest of even going to CZW. 
because I mean I was already making money here, and then uh, I always wanted to go back to the Northeast, and I was always hoping to like go back to like Ring of Honor. That was like my goal, but uh, just to be back in the Northeast and wrestle in front of the, the fans, which I've actually said that on a, in a promo before in CZW. The one thing I always wanted to do is come back to the Northeast and wrestle in front of all you people. And that's a shoot, you know what I mean? That's one of the things yeah. I just wanted to do. And I felt like I never got my just due in ROH. So, sure. But but to answer the question, I was living in Japan. And then, actually, when I came in for IWA King of the Death matches for in Rotten, uh, that's when the ball started going with CZW. Um, now, when you got into CZW, soon after they involved you in the cult fiction um, stable. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of the cult fiction thing, but I I always kind of felt like although you fit in the group, you quickly became a bigger name on your own while still being involved in the group. I mean, what was your thoughts yeah. on being, you know, grouped in with those guys? Well, the thing is, like, to me, it's like it was cool because I, I like brain damage and I liked uh, Billy sure. Graham and um, J.C. Bailey, who I tagged with in, in Japan. Um I kind of, like, wanted to get away from being in, like, groups or being in tag matches or tag teams because when I was in NW Wildside, uh, me and Todd Sexton were a tag team. And then when I was in Carnage Crew, tag team as well. And I kind of wanted to get out of that type of division. And when I was in Japan, just made a full run doing singles. I kind of wanted to stay that route. And uh, I honestly mm-hmm. don't even know what the direction was for even putting me in call fiction, to be quite honest with you. I don't know uh, – like, who, uh, whose idea that was or, you know, where it came about going, you know, I have no idea. Even to this day, I have no idea. And it's sad to say because yeah. two of my partners, you know, are passed away, but, you right. know. Yeah, definitely want to talk about them in a minute. But um, that's, to me, it was, you know, I was a huge fan of the gimmick, and I was a huge fan of everything they were doing. But in, in a way, it kind of seemed like overkill. I would have rather see you versus J.C. Bailey and you versus, you know, Damage rather than, everybody's stuck on one side, you know? Yeah. But, um, it's just kind of good. It's just kind of bad, bad booking. You know, there's dream matches that could have happened that never did happen, unfortunately. Sure. So, um, you know, what was your thoughts about, you know, your time with JC Bailey and, you know, working with him and everything else, obviously he's, he's passed. Uh, JC was always easy to get along with, easy to, uh, you know, put things together, come up with ideas. He always had a lot of creative ideas. And and Marvin, you know, Marvin's a big man, so it's like, you know, that WWE mentality. He's a big man, so he doesn't have to do shit. Just go out there and beat mm-hmm. guys' asses, and that's what he did. But he was easy. Right. they were all easy to get along with and easy to work with, you know. And I enjoyed working with him, you know. Sure. Um, you, um, I had, had Joker on a while back, and, um, he was having some big problems with DJ and he said, uh, uh-huh. at a certain point in time, he was between him and you, you were trying to help out at the school. And, um, yeah, it, there was, there was problems running into you trying to train guys and then DJ would try to retrain them and things like that. You know, what was yeah. your, your side of the situation? Uh, it's exactly what, uh, Joker said. It was exactly like that. Uh, I actually left Texas and went to the Northeast because uh, when I helped CCW out, and this is a lot of things that people don't know, when I helped CCW out getting, uh, getting back in with Big Japan, next thing you know, all my tour dates got shot. And then DJ started putting himself in that spotlight and putting other guys. And that was the whole point, is get other guys over there. But don't cut my feet out from underneath me because that's my livelihood. 
Right. Uh, I was having hard times here. I moved to uh, to uh, to Philadelphia, and uh, matter of fact, Devin Moore took me in, and then I stayed with uh, Joker. And then Joker had the idea: well, why don't you train at the CCW school and you run the school and uh, properly train these guys? And uh, I did that, and actually, it was a good time. Uh, Devin Moore came in, Joker, myself. We were training the guys, and we're actually like, okay, this is how this works, and. This is how you do this thing and be safe with it. And then DJ got back and just, like, totally, like, undermined me on everything and then saying how this is improper and that's not right. And it's like, well, who the fuck is this shit to fucking tell me this crap? You know what I mean? Right. Like, like I just named all two of my trainers, Steve Obrey, Rudy Borgonzalez, who were trained by Buzz Sawyer and Manny Fernandez. Like, and you're going to tell me that I don't know what I'm doing? Matter of fact, I'm at my school right now, and I guarantee you, like, I have a student here that's been training for two months. And I'm not dissing anybody, but there's been guys that are stayed at CTW school for about three, four years. I guarantee you my student of two months can outwork their asses. You know? Right. And that's what pisses me off. There's no respect. Yeah. Um, so did you pretty much just abandon ship at that point as far as training, just to forget about it? or? I just got, you know, fed up with it. You can only have someone, like, you know, stab you in the foot so many times and, like, try to, you know, sweep the rug from underneath you. And then he had a problem with, like, students, like, paying me. And he's like, well, if I'm not making the money, then, you know, if they're not paying me, they're paying you. That doesn't work for me. And it's like, okay, well, I get that, but we already had an agreement. And then mm-hmm. after I'm not getting paid and, like, you know, you're going to undermine everything I'm doing, you know, the, the fucking hell with it. I'm not going to waste my time with it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you had had some, uh, you know, comments about in the past. You were, had worked uh, Robert Anthony in one of the Cage of Deaths, and uh, you didn't like his style. What was it about, you know, Robert Anthony that you not like? Uh, the thing is with Robert Anthony, like there were things that I wanted to do that he didn't, and it was just kind of like, you know, in my opinion, like if someone's a veteran and they're like, okay, well, I have an idea and I want to do this, you know, I'm not going to shoot it down. And then right. – you know, I've been doing the blood and guts wrestling for a long time. I know how to do it safe. And he just got scared of, on a lot of things, and it kind of became like pulling teeth. And, uh, yeah, that's where it kind of led up. It's like there's no chemistry there, and it's like, dude, just relax. Like, you're buying way too much into, like, you know, what my character is. And it's like, I mean, I can be that guy, but I'm trying to be nice with you. And right. uh, just work with me. Be easy. You know, I think he really, like, believed I was just going to start beating his ass, like Necro Butcher or something, but. Nah, it's like I want to have a good match, have something competitive, and, you know, show the fans and, like, give them something they're not expecting. So, I mean, it was pulling teeth. And if you talk to, like, Devin Moore, he'd tell you the same thing. Well, Anthony mm-hmm. as a person, like, I like him. You know what I mean? I don't dislike right. him. You know, he's a good guy. Sure. Um, what was your thoughts on your world title run? Um, it was really long. Um, you know, uh-huh. all the, the title defenses were great. You know, the in-ring work was good. It just didn't seem like there was a lot of story put behind it. Um, no, you know, it wasn't. The dominant champion, but besides mm-hmm. being the dominant champion, the only really story they put was finally when you know Gulak did the chase for the belt at the end. But yeah, other than that. Yeah, well, well that's thought? the thing. Like, I honestly, I thought that run was garbage, you know. And I, I hate to say that, I got good matches. Um, I mean, mind you, the way I won the belt was through a three-way, a four-way fight that was booked last second, and I didn't even pin the guy that had the belt. You know, I pinned Devin right. Moore, and then Scotty Vortex is the one that's the champion, and they just threw that match together. So, what does that say about the title belt? That's just shitting on the right. belt. And then I wrestled Adam Cole. 
and like had a great match on the same show. And it's like that should have been more of a title match for the belt than the actual like you know transfer of the title. But uh, yeah, I got frustrated with that because it's like they had nothing going on, and then a lot of the guys had left. You know, uh, Mox mm-hmm. left. Uh, Drake Younger went to uh, California. Sammy Callahan, who I had really good matches with beforehand, was already in NXT. And so I think, honestly, there wasn't that many guys. And even, like, Joker had already left. Um, there wasn't any guys, like, big guys that were credible to come in and have good matches. Or not even have good matches, but just have, like, that credibility. So, mm-hmm. you know, that open challenge thing, anytime, like, I would say, a Davey Richards is coming in. Well, Davey doesn't work for CDW. It's the first time he's coming in. Of course he's not going to win. El Generico comes right. in. Of course he's not going to win. And, um, you know, it just got bad. I mean, where it's like, okay, they already know I'm going to win, and it's like going to be a stale title run. There was no feuds of any sorts whatsoever. And then uh, when I wrestled uh, Kevin Steen, my knee had blown out. And I wrestled Steen, and I had the option, like, well, who do you want to go over? And then I told Steen, it's like, well, my knee is legitimately fucked up. And it's like, if I beat you, who's on top of the indies right now, that's just saying this is dog shit. So I'm going to do a tap out right. finish. You know, you get me in this. I'm going to tap. You beat me. And then, you know, the following month I'm wrestling or following week I'm wrestling Dulac and doing the same type of finish with him. So I tapped twice. So that just made the, the leg injury, you know, more serious. And it's a legitimate, it was a legitimate injury. And uh, right. that's the only reason why that title run actually, like, like got knocked off. Like, I was supposed to have the belt a lot longer, but there's just nobody there, you know? Right. You know, with the knee injury, um, you know, they did, uh, you know, some fundraising and stuff like that. And, you know, uh-huh. there's always criticism with that sort sort of thing. Um, you know, what was your thoughts on the whole situation? Because, I mean, you kept working through it all and just yeah. everything else. Well, the, the crazy thing is, like, with the fundraising stuff, like, I didn't even ask for that. Uh, a fan of mine, actually, from West Virginia made that. And uh, he's like, you know, you've done so much uh, for the business. Like, I want to help as much as I possibly can. Man, as a professional, it's like, well, I shouldn't be getting charity from fans. So that's like the down part of it. But uh, right. I mean, realistically, when a, a surgery costs around sixty-five thousand dollars to seventy grand, and shit, you're not making even that much money on the indies, and then all of a sudden your your international work's cut off, where you're not even doing that. I mean, you kind of have to take it. And then luckily, sure. I actually got my knee fixed in Mexico. I got it repaired, and a lot of people don't even know that. Some people think I'm fucking retired, which really pisses me to fuck off. Um, but yeah, I mean, back on that, it's like, you know, he's offered that and, you know, he's trying to do something good and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful they did that. You know what I mean? That's great. But if I were to do it again, like there's no way, no, we don't live in Canada. We don't live in England where they have, you know, Medicaid, like where they'll take care of everything. And if we go to the hospital, we're not going to get a huge ass bill that's going to put us in debt for the rest of our lives. Um, right. Matter of fact, if I would have stayed in Japan and not actually came to CZW, I could have got a surgery done in Japan off the, the insurance of the company. And, you know, it is what it is, man. Hindsight's twenty twenty. So I never expected my knee to blow out on me. So getting older. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, in your, um, you know, tournament of death run, um, you had a uh, matchup with Thumbtack Jack and that became like uh-huh. a, pretty brutally stiff, you know, back and forth matches that you guys had. Um, I've heard, you know, different people say some negative things about the guy. What was your thoughts on working him? 
think Thumbtack Jack as a person is a good guy. I think certain things that he did, like, in the match was, like, reckless. And that just comes from, like, improper training. Right. But, uh, I mean, that's about the only thing you say. Like, you know, when I when I go into matches and this is, like, you know, killing shit because – I mean, a lot of things that people don't understand or they just, it's been forgotten about. The hardcore wrestling, deathmatch wrestling was built on, like, making the business more legitimate. Like, holy shit, this is real. This isn't bullshit. And then after a while, when that whole, like, extreme hardcore wrestling, like, attitude era came about, you got all every single backyarder that doesn't know shit coming in and fucking doing deathmatches. So that hurts me. Right. You know what I mean? And that hurts a sure. lot of people. The guys actually give a fuck about the business. Um, but yeah, him just coming in, it's like, you know, just certain things he did was reckless and you could tell it's just like improper training, um, getting potatoed and, you know, not making sense on why that's even going down. And, you know, a lot of those matches we had were stiff for a reason because he was stiff and mean. It's like, you know, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> you know, it's right. what it is. Yeah. Um, it, you, you made a good point there. And, you know, I've been seeing a lot of stuff, especially over the years as it's progressed, because everyone tries to be tougher and put out a bigger, tougher image in the ring. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you see some things like the Necro Butcher would come out and he'd bang his head with the chair. And, um, yeah. you know, Kobayashi would bite a light tube. Before you know yeah. it, everyone's smashing bulbs on their head before the match and everything. And I kind of feel like mm-hmm. at a certain point it took away from the you know the element of danger in the match like the, oh, yeah. was, do you have any thoughts about that yeah. or no you're exa- you're exactly right because when light tubes first started getting used one light tube to the face was a finish the guy was selling right. eyes like he got the dust in it and light tubes are dangerous as hell and they'll cut the fuck out of you but uh yeah when guys start breaking it over their heads and like now everybody's crazy where they don't care it's the stupidest right. thing because, like, for example, like like you said, like, if you just broke light tubes over your head, why the fuck are you going to sell it when I hit you with it? You right. just showed it doesn't hurt you, so why are you going to sell it? Or if I shoot you into the ropes and you take the tubes on the ropes, why are you going to sell the back? You just showed that you didn't mm-hmm. give a fuck because you'll actually bump in them freely. It's just fucking right. dumb, just stupidity. Like, I, I think, honestly, it just kind of goes back into things where people aren't trained properly and they just want to act like they're tough guys. Um mm-hmm. I mean, it's a difference when it's like Jun Kasai, Crazy Monkey. I understand that. He's fucking nuts. And then you have right. someone like Sabu who would wrap himself up in barbed wire. He's homicidal and suicidal. I get it. You know what I mean? And it makes him more insane. But when everybody's crazy and nobody gives a fuck, it just downplays everything. And it kills the gimmicks. It kills the weapons. Yeah. It kills everything. Another thing that pissed me off, uh, not to go on a rant, but when I was in Japan... <laughs> They would book matches where, say, it would be me and Junkasai in a tag team against Miyamoto and Ito in a light to death match. And then the next day, they would switch the, the teams where it would be me and Miyamoto against Junkasai and Ito in the same light to death match. Well, I'm sorry, but, man, if you stab me, if you, if you stab me with a knife, I'm not going to be fucking friends with you the next day. You know what I mean? I'm going right. to stab you or kill you. So it's, just, it's just bad booking. It's just like people don't think of psychology or a reason, like, like, it's that simple as that. Like, if someone were to shoot me or stab me, well, dude, I'm going to stab and shoot you back, you know? I'm going to go on my way to fucking right. kill you. So, I mean, I just yeah. downplays things, too. Yeah, I think the fans are really easily trained in that in that way, too, where, you know, I mean, the, you get the group of fans that will yell pussy at everyone with a shirt on and, you know, ridiculous things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I saw, you know, one instance, uh, I think it was last year, 
I want to say it was last year. It was Devin Moore versus Shane Strickland. They were in a barbed wire board match. Or, or I don't even know if it was labeled that, but Devin pulls out the barbed wire boards. He goes to put Shane through it. Shane puts on the brakes like no fucking way. The fans immediately start chanting pussy like the guy should want to be thrown through a barbed wire board. And I'm like, this this is yeah. fucking ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah, it's ridiculous. fucking stupid. Yeah, and the <laughs> like thing is, when you go, him. if you watch matches in Japan, when the guy tries to evade the weapon, the crowd goes, whoa. The, the crowd just yeah. don't, they don't have any respect for this shit because it's not their bodies that are getting thrown into that crap. And another thing is, right. fucking assholes that think that way, they're trying to tell you a story. They're trying to get you into it, and then you're shitting on it. So why the fuck would they even bother with it? <laughs> right. You know, it's not yeah. them getting their – it's not the fans getting stitches <laughs> at the end of the night are, you know, worried about getting staph infections. It's the boys. And mm-hmm. that's the whole point. Like, uh, I mean, shit, you're watching in every fucking, like, Indiana Jones movie – when they fall through like a tunnel and all of a sudden these spikes start coming out of the sides of the wall, well, what are you going to do? You're going to go throw yourself into it? No, you're going to try to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> like, right. You're not going to stay there where spikes are coming here. They're going to kill you. You want to get the fuck away from it. Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, do you stupid. think um, do you think deathmatch tournaments are a good thing for deathmatch wrestling? I mean, I'm attending two this month. I'm I'm clearly not against them, but um, uh-huh. you know, it's. It's less of a, you know, the end of a feud is going to cap off with this crazy, you know, dangerous match. Instead, we're just going to line a bunch of people up and all, you know, go in the glass for three rounds. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, it's it's bad because, I mean, shit. When they used to have deathmatch tournaments back in the day, they would have eight fighters in it. And every single eight fighters, like, that was in the tournament had some type of heat with one another. So it made sense for them to all fight in death matches because all eight of these guys fucking hate each other. Right. Now, when they start just like, start, you know, there's not many death match guys around or guys that can actually even work. They'll just throw them in there because we need somebody to go out there and bleed. I think that's bad for business. And me personally, say if I was a fan still, like I wouldn't waste my money on it. I, I wouldn't buy a ticket. But mm-hmm. when you have like a history, like say like last year's TOD, you had all the Japanese guys, and there's a story between having heat with these guys. And even say, like, for example, like uh, Danny Havoc's in there. Well, I had a run with Danny Havoc. There's heat there. There's, uh, you know, Jackie Numazawa. I don't like him. I've had heat with Arrow Boy in Mexico. And everybody mm-hmm. in that tournament actually fell into having, like, problems with each other at some point at the end of the year or beginning of the year where it makes sense. But just throwing guys out there and, hey, go, go get mutilated and go fuck each other up. Yeah, that just kills it. Yeah. There's, a, what's there's no point. What's your thoughts on Carnage Cup? Uh, I've the stuff I've seen of it. I just I don't. It kind of goes back into what I was saying before. I'm not dissing anybody, but they already know. Like I can tell you straight up, the guys aren't fucking trained. You know what I mean? Right. Like I can tell you didn't pay your dues. I can tell you didn't take bombs. I tell you you didn't go to a school. Or if you did get training, you got trained by someone that just conned you off. And uh, right. the stuff I've seen that comes out of it. I think it's bullshit. Like, the guy gets stabbed in the arm with a box cutter, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to be, like, impressed by that. Like, that, that's nothing. You know, let me grab my machete real quick and just cut your fucking head off. You know what I mean? Right. I'm yeah. not impressed with stuff like that. There's no story. There's no wrestling. There's no psychology in it. And uh, it's just garbage, you know? That's the bad thing. There's right. The reason why that phrase garbage wrestling's even around, because it, it's shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the, uh, the IWA Deep South product much. Um, 
one of the guys that, you know, works the IWA Deep South, um, Spider Boudreaux, you, you wrestled in um, uh, Masters of Pain the one year. And I'd, mm-hmm. I've never seen you look more frustrated in the ring than you looked in that match. Um, was yeah. that what was going on? or <laughs> I mean, Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that was definitely what was going on. Uh, trying to put a match together and then, like, you know, it, crazy it sounds, it's kind of like New Jack. Like, when New Jack, like, fucked up Mass Transit or he fucked that guy up in uh, in Florida, people say, oh, it was an indie worker. That dude wasn't an indie worker. That dude was just some fucking backyarder. And uh, that's mm-hmm. why he got fucked up. And, and, again, it kind of pisses me off where it's like I've done this for so long. I paid my dues. I learned how to wrestle. And, you know, this is the niche that I'm going with to make money. And then you got guys that are just on the same card as me that have no talent and don't know shit about anything. And yeah, I got frustrated with that because the guy wasn't wasn't doing anything. He didn't know how to work. And, as a matter of fact, in that match, I, like, stomped his head, like, twice. And the thing is, yeah. it made me feel bad because he's an okay guy. But right. you should get fucking trained, man. Like, seriously, get fucking trained. Understand – what you're doing is wrong, and you're actually you're killing the fucking business instead of fucking like doing things better for it. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, you definitely uh, looked pretty frustrated in that match, and yeah, understandably so. Um, yeah. Um. So, I mean, what what's your thoughts overall on like um, you know, what's what's the proper training for a deathmatch wrestler? Because a lot of these guys do think that I'm crazy enough. I'll bleed. I'll do this. You know. What should actually go into it? I mean, I think honestly, like if if you look at like Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher, and then you have like the Funks, and then you have like the Sheik, Sabu, um, shit, RVD, anybody that came from that era, and like even an FMW or Wing, they all went through wrestling training. They all got trained properly. They all know how to wrestle. As a matter of fact, look how many guys that were in ETW that originally were in WCW or WWF, and then they started doing the blood and gut. A lot of them. They all knew right. how to work. So there's no difference today. Guys need to go to a school, a proper school, and learn how to wrestle, or don't even bother with it. You know what I mean? Um, right. It doesn't take much. If you know how to bump, you learn how to wrestle, you know how to tell a story, you learn psychology, you know how to read off the people. It's not much just to add a little bit more to it and just be willing to, like, do something a little bit extra. You know, when I'm doing, like, a 450 splash off top of the cage, well, that's putting something extra on there. You know, mm-hmm. Eddie Hart did a the crazy fucking thing. I think he made a comment saying that nobody his size would do it. Well, I dwarfed Teddy. So I went up there and did a 450 splash, and that's, like, to prove a fucking point. Like, you're not the only guy that's willing to do that, and dude, there's other people that can, and they're bigger than you, so... Yeah, you just got to be willing, right. man. You got to have, like, some type of fucking balls. I mean, the guts are there, but there's no fucking, like, technique. There's no story. There's no uh, athleticism. Like, that's what's killing it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. even in Japan, um, prime example, the easiest way to explain it, like, I already explained it, but when people go to Japan, like, say, Big Japan has a dojo there, the guys get trained for, like, three to four years, and if they make that decision that they want to do death matches, they go in and do them. Now, you look at Big Japan's death matches compared to, like, the North American death matches, or if you would even call them death matches, it's just garbage. Their wrestling in Japan has a story. They show their mm-hmm. wrestling techniques. They show how to go into it. And then you have guys here that just get hit over the head with chairs and trade it off and just sell everything. Well, what the fuck's the finish? <laughs> a schoolboy? That doesn't make no sense. Right. I just feel I feel um, bad because... 
there's other guys like say for example like Nick Gage. Nick Gage can work his ass off. Danny Atkins mm-hmm. can work his ass off. I can work. Absolutely. Uh, Devin Moore can work. And we have to work with these guys that didn't pay their dues to come in the right way, and they're on the same fucking show as us. And then it becomes right. a threat to like our incomes, where it's like, well, this guy will come in and do for fucking free, so why am I going to pay you this much money? And that's what happened with Carnage Cup. I was supposed to do one one year, and uh, the promoter agreed with everything. It's like, hey, man, this is how much I charge, blah, blah, blah. And then a week before the tournament, he's like, oh, I can't afford that, you know, I got guys in here that will do this, this, and it's like, well, dude, you're paying for what you get. It's like a fucking tattoo. You know what I mean? If I buy a fucking right. $5 tattoo compared to a $105 tattoo, you're paying for what you get. Yeah. So, and that's just a fucking a promoter that don't know shit that isn't even from the business or just some fucking mark. You know, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think, um, and I know, you know, it, it is a payday, so, I mean, if guys do take the payday on the show – um, I mean, to a certain extent, you can't blame them, but on another side of things, it does give the tournament and the Fed a little bit of credibility. Do you think it's kind of the responsibility of the guys that are trained, that are legit, to just, you know, abandon that Fed and just let them be what they are? I mean, I guess. I mean, the thing is, it's just like guys, like, if if you love what you do and you're not just doing it to say, hey, I do this, and you have a respect for the business. Like, I can tell you straight up, I love all styles of wrestling. And that's one of the things why I, I, I've learned every style. I try to do my best in every style. And to me, it's like being a hybrid wrestler is the best thing you can be. Because, say, for example, if, like, the door gets called and I have to go to, like, say, like, an All Japan or a New Japan, well, I can do that style. Or, say, a Big Japan calls me. Well, I can do that style, too. Or, say, go to Mexico with AAA or CMLL. Well, I can do that style. I don't have to worry about that. So... I'm not just catering to one style in particular. Like, I can do everything. And I think the bad thing, especially with me, it's like I'm getting typecast as, like, the garbage guy, the deathmatch guy, and that's all I do. But you never see any of my, like, my normal regular matches, like on, say, like a YouTube or, like, social media getting really pushed out there. And there's a few fans that actually do know, like, man, he can do everything and feel like he hasn't gotten his just due in the business and it's been 16 fucking years for him. Like, what the fuck is this shit? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think has kept people from, um, like, a, like a PWG? Um, they used um, Necro for a while. And, uh, Ian, I mean, I know you've worked for Ian, you know, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the Styles Clash matches kind of became, like, a big thing where it would be, like, your, you know, quote-unquote deathmatch guy, like a Necro, you know, would work yeah. with the Samoa Joes and stuff. What do you think kept guys from using you as much in that role because i mean you you'd fit into that role unbelievably i mean your, your ability mm. and, and your ability to go above and beyond as far as the deathmatch stuff on top of it mm. what kept people from booking you that way uh, honestly the reason why i believe that is because i wasn't always constantly pumping myself out there on social media like i just mm. recently got on facebook probably like a year or two two years ago but all these other right. guys already had their 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 fan pages, uh, pushing stuff out on like you know Facebook or fucking YouTube, all that bullshit. And um, so obviously it's getting out to a lot more people. And also at the time when those guys were getting pushed in those other companies, I was overseas in Japan. And so the only sure. people I knew I was wrestling either had to be wrestling fans of Japan or actually from Japan. But um, I think it's just like I kind of missed my niche, and now that I am here, I'm still getting looked over. And for whatever reason that is, who knows? People might not fucking like me. You know what I mean? It's as simple yeah. as an answer as that. Like, well, 
you know, he's a good wrestler, but I don't like his attitude or I'm intimidated by him or he won't put up with my shit, you know? Right. Who knows? <laughs> but honestly, I feel that's one of them. I never put, put stuff out there. I never was constantly, like, pushing myself on social media. Is there any heat or anything you know of with PWG or is that somewhere you no. don't want to work? Or? No, actually, Joey Ryan, like, used to come here and wrestle for uh, Anarchy Champion Wrestling. And I asked mm-hmm. him before, hey, man, I'd like to come to PWG. And then he was like, yeah, man, we'll just talk to uh, the Super Dragon. And then right. that's when I was kept going in and out of out of Japan. As far as I know, there's no heat there. I've met Super Dragon only one time, and that was at Ring of Honor. And, um, yeah, there shouldn't be any heat at all. But never had any run-ins with him or anybody from, like, the West Coast to have a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, it'd be great to see you over there. There's tons of dream matches and everything. But, uh, I mean, that's one of the things that's crazy is because, like, a buddy of mine actually told me, he's like, you know, if you look at this, their PWG fans know who you are, and they have been asking for you for, the, like, the longest time. And sure. I was like, that was probably, like, six, seven years ago. So, who knows? And, I mean, I'm not trying to sound egotistical, but any time I've ever gone to a wrestling company uh, anywhere in the Northeast or even, like, in any other country, people know who I am already. That's not something you're mm-hmm. going to have to try to build in me. Fans already know who I am. Either they like me or they don't like me. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, towards the end of your, your CZW run, um, I you know, I think you moved. Um, but besides that, um been a lot of talk and a lot of, you know, things said. Um, what what actually led to you leaving CZW or you know, was it mostly the move? Uh, the thing is, it's just like a lot of a lot of bullshit in the locker room, a lot of bullshit. Um, that and just the fact that like, okay, I'm here and, uh, there's no money here. So I'm going to go back to Texas where I'm going to make a living and actually do these shows. And then I have Mexico right there that's paying me. And then, you know, just all I can tell you is in two words, a snake and a rat, man. That's the best way I could put it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's I what, that's when I, mean... I played the big, the biggest part in it. And uh, just to get the fuck out of there and people didn't have my back on that situation. I'm not going to go into too much detail on it. But that's right. one of the main. That's the main fucking reason. All right. Yeah, because I mean, the the one guy had said you know quite a bit about you and stuff, and that's why, if you don't want to go into detail, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. Um, so is it now the last tournament of death you did? Um, I mean, you seem to really go like way over the top. You went to the finals against Jun Kasai, and um, uh-huh. you know, looking back at it. Was it somewhat of like a like a farewell to CZW, or was that just just the way you went into that day? Well, I mean, the thing is, like when I went for the last TOD, like I went there uh, for Danny Havoc. I went there to see my boys and you know bust my ass and prove a point. You know, I wrestled mm-hmm. there for boy, and then I wrestled uh, Lucky Thirteen. I wrestled Chunkasai, and then I had to understand with DJ, hey man, I'm going to come to Texas and I'm actually going to start bringing the uh, CZW talent to Texas and try to build a market here and then trade right. our talent. Well, somebody, you know, went behind my back and fucking started talking all this shit. Well, this fucking fat fucking asshole who I've helped out so many fucking times for so many years is going to side with this fucking market works for 30 fucking bucks down the fucking street. If that's what you want to do, then that's what you want to do. And does it hurt my payday? No, it's just hurting your fan base because I don't draw that motherfucker does. And like I said, right. man, uh, a lot of people think I retired. It's like, dude, I didn't retire. Uh, I told DJ, we're going to do this. And he was all 
you know, okay, let's do that. You know, I'm, I'm good for that, blah, blah, blah. And they say, no, it's like, yeah, you're gone. <laughs> There's just no respect at all, man. It's just like all the blood and guts and all the shit I've done for this fucker, and it's just like, yeah, I'm going to side with this shithead. <laughs> That's crazy. So do you think that, I know they're, you know, never say never in wrestling, but do you think there'll ever be a return to CZW or? Uh, that, man, I have no idea, to be honest with you. Um, I have a lot of, I have guys there that are like family to me and they know who they are. Uh, they talk to me while I'm gone. And then there's people that don't fucking like me and they know who the fuck they are. And whenever I see them, I'll beat their fucking ass. And that's the fucking shoot. And that little faggot knows I'm going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I hate to say that word, but I'm pretty pissed when it comes down to that type of that situation. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea. And the thing is also like, they pay me what I'm worth because when I helped your company out, that put me in a financial like standstill where it's like, holy shit, man. Like I'm like struggling now. And like, the longer I've been in the business, I shouldn't be struggling. I shouldn't be taking steps backwards because I helped this guy out. It should be the opposite. Like we should all be making money. And I, like I said, coming back to Texas, uh, being around Sean Hernandez, it was on the road with all the time working for RCW, uh, Anarchy Championship Wrestling, Inspire Pro Wrestling, in uh, Mexico, and a matter of fact, I'm about to start wrestling for uh, WWL in Puerto Rico, which is a bigger company. This company draws 5,000 people and are paying quite a bit of money. So you think I'm crying about, like, somebody that's going to pay me peanuts? No. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, you've worked a, a lot of Lucha stuff, too. Um, I've, I've talked to Homicide on the show before, and he said when you work Lucha, you kind of have to work the other side of the ring. Um, yeah. You know, every, everything's to the opposite side. Was that a big yeah. adjustment for you? How did you, you know, fall into that system? Well, I mean, the thing is, like, for me, it's not – I didn't really have that much of a problem. You know, it's it's working the, the opposite side. Instead of working the left side, you're going to work the right side on the guy. Right. Uh, for me, I mean, it's a little bit awkward, but uh, luckily with the guys I've worked with, it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? And like, okay, I, okay, I know. I know exactly what you're going to do, and no problem. I got you. So I kind of mm-hmm. run into little problems with that, but – Lately, I've had no no issues with it, and uh, you know one of the things like people like say I think I like I just saw it recently like people are like oh well he was you know in Japan and Europe and you know doing the Northeast with CZW now he's back to Texas Indies and he's working like Mexico, bro these companies are paying me a way lot more you know what I mean a like, hundred times right. more than what I was making, and you know what I mean it was an easy decision to say well fuck this I'm going back and all of a sudden like here's Puerto Rico which has a great roster, has great talent, that does lucha in American style, that's where I want to go. I don't want to sit here and just, like, wrestle, like, in front of nobody and just deal with a bunch of egotistical fucking guys that came from some fucking backyard or called Beyond. I don't want to deal with that shit. You know what I mean? Right. So that's it. And, I mean, the same thing. Like, even with Japan, FMW just reopened. So I still have my niche in Japan as well. Now, you know, you had also done a lot to um, mend the the relationship between CZW and Japan. How did that all go about? Uh, well, basically, like, I wrestled with uh, Danny Havoc and uh, the guys, like, the kids are, like, really good. Like, at that time, I say kid. Now he's, like, one of my good friends. He's awesome. Like, he's a great fucking wrestler, and he deserves mm-hmm. to be over there. He needs to be, you know, deserves to get that type of spotlight and make that type of money. Um, when I talked to DJ, this was the understanding. We're going to get Drake Younger, Danny Havoc, 
Nick A should go back over there, and then we're going to circle out the boys. Like all the guys that are good talents, good hands, we're going to send them to Japan, then they'll come here, then we'll go to Europe, and we'll just keep doing that repeated cycle and all make money. Well, when he took the, the, the reins on that, it's got to be him in every fucking show. It's got to be him on every tour. And uh, the, how it came about is DJ just asked me if I would help him out with that, and I actually did what I said I was going to do. I went to Japan. I talked to Tosaka. I said, hey, there's WXW in Germany, and uh, there's also, like, you know, companies in the U.K. I think it would be good business. I started doing business back with CZW in the U.S. and just started doing a world tour and get that going. And that's what created that whole triangle, which doesn't mean shit now because Japan's pretty much, I think, dropping the ball. Is like, or not dropping the ball. I don't think they want to have anything to do with it anymore. Right. And that's just now, some bad you know, booking. Yeah. Now, Joker had, you know, voiced his opinion on that and being really upset about not being booked over there due to DJ picking himself to go yeah. continuously. Um, yeah. Besides Joker, it was, you know, is there anybody else you could point out that, you know, really should have been able to go to Japan, but missed their shot. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys. Lucky 13 never got the chance to go over there. Um, shit, mm-hmm. man. Fucking when DJ had the reins on that, he was trying to like typecast me. It was like, well, he's a CCW wrestler. He's under my contract. So if he's going to go over there, it has to go for me. Well, fuck you, dude. I'm the one I fucking got you the job over there. Not the other way around. Um, right. And the whole thing with Joker and like, Dude, this motherfucker tries to talk all this shit. DJ saying like that Yuki's trying to say one thing, and I was like, bro, I have a message from Yuki stating that you claim that Joker have retired from wrestling. I had that on a messenger, on a message, wow. plain as day. If anybody ever wants to see that, if he wants to lie about it, he fucked Joker out of that show, and I'm the one that got Joker booked on that. Wow. Which pisses me wow. off. Joker was gonna come in and do Freedoms, and he was gonna come in and do Big Japan. And then when fucking they, they went to uh, DJ just to get the, the okay, I even told him, was like, just talk to me directly. And at that point in time, I was trying to get my work visa, uh, you know, get, like settled out and like all this other crap. And then uh, I got the message like, oh, well, DJ son say that Joker is retired from wrestling now. And it's like, by the time I got that message, I was already on the plane going over there. I couldn't fix anything. But wow. It's just shady little snake bullshit, man. You know, it's like when I first went to CCW, it was all about family. That's why I stayed there. That's why I went there. It's like I like this locker room, man. I like the talent, and uh, I like to see it get on its feet and actually do something. And towards the end, it's like little snake little bitches. Like, you know, guys are out for their spots, and like, oh, I'll, I'll work for like 25, 30 bucks, or I'll work for free. And it's like, you know, who the fuck is this shit? A bunch of outsiders. And that family vibe mm-hmm. of that, that company just went to shit. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they seem to be somewhat of a revolving door these days. If you look at a lot of the guys who were, you know, big parts of the company, they they seem to be leaving left and right. So uh, something's got to be yeah. going on. Well, I mean, that's another thing that bothers me because when you got guys that are coming in just to try to like, you know, drink the Kool Aid and like, okay, I'm gonna get to Japan, I'm gonna get to Europe, I'm gonna kiss fucking this guy's ass and you know, fucking suck him off or whatever the fuck you want to call it to get somewhere, and then when they get their reputation out, then they jump to another company. Well, why the fuck are you helping this guy out? He ain't bleeding for the company. He's not fucking advertising CZW. He ain't doing shit. He's just leeching off you, and you like him because he's kissing your ass. That's the worst way to do business. I don't like ass kissers, man. I find that, like, if some dude's, like, kissing my ass and, like, it comes across as that, like, I'll tell him to fuck off because that don't make me feel comfortable. Like, I want you to get the fuck away from me, man. 
Like, be straight yeah. and be shoot, like, with me and be a badass or fucking get the fuck away. But that kissing ass and politics and crap, there's no need for it. And if you look at the roster right now, man, it's a bunch of small fucking guys. And they're the little pretty boy fuckers like I was talking about before. And they're a bunch of fucking outsiders. So mm-hmm. It is what it is. You got Nick Gage that came back, and Nicky was like, he messaged me, shit, man, two weeks ago. He's like, man, I came in the locker room. It was fucking weird, man. It's a bunch of fucking pussies here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And imagine yeah. that in Nick Gage, like, Nick Gage's tone of voice. But that's what he straight up said, a bunch of fucking pussies over here. And even Joker, yeah. when Joker took that time off and he came back in the locker room, he was like, you know, what is this? Like, fucking some like, gay porn shoot over here? What is this shit? Like, dude, I don't fucking know, man. Like, this this, <laughs> this company has turned into fucking every other fucking Northeast company. It uses the same fucking guys. There's nothing fucking different about it. The only difference is you got guys that are willing to fucking, like, bust their ass and do the blood and guts. And other than that, the whole fucking roster is the same fucking guys that get recycled every fucking weekend through other fucking companies. And that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what cracks me up because they got that like nothing else attached to the uh, the ring post. And they, more and more, they become like everything else. And uh, it's, yeah. it's pretty ridiculous. It's the same wow. fucking – it's the same people. Like, it look mm-hmm. at – like, uh, for example, like – Look at All Point Wrestling. All Point Wrestling has more, like, creativity and fucking originality now with the roster than it does with the other companies. You'll see the yeah, same guys do. work for Dragon Gate USA, and then the same guys work for Evolve, and the same guys work for CCW, and the same guys work for fucking Beyond, and the same guys work for this. It's like, dude, there's no difference in the roster. Like, there's nothing yeah. at all. You might as well go under a fucking the NWA fucking try to reborn that fucking shit that's fucking been dead and gone since the fucking 80s. Try to revive that fucking shit and fucking make that something. You know, it's the dumbest fucking shit, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, maybe you know a little inside to it because you mentioned On Point and, um, you know, Scott Summers came into TOD that one year. He had that mm-hmm. match. Fans chanted, please come back, everything else. CZW never brought him back. First time he saw him back on the East Coast was On Point Wrestling. What happened with Scott Summers? Uh, the thing is, like, uh, DJ didn't like his attitude, didn't like him because Scott's, like, Scott's one of those people, like, he, he, he'll tell you how it is. You know, he's not going to kiss your ass for a spot. Uh, DJ didn't like him because of that. He expects him to be looked up like a god. And Scott's been wrestling fucking longer than him. Scott's been in the business as long as I have, if not even longer. Like, he's too old for this shit. And uh, he dropped the ball on that, and now On Point's picking the ball up and running with it. There's a lot of great talent in Texas, and that's one of the things I said before. Like, I I said this a long time ago. ACH is going to be one of the top stars in fucking four years from now, and look at where he's at. And, like, he's been on the road with me. And, like, fucking there's tons of good guys here, you know? The only problem is with Mm -hmm. the Texas Indies is, like, the promoters don't get along. Everybody doesn't get along here. And here is another reason why I came back from the wrestling side of things. It's just, like, it's more like, if I don't like you, I'm not going to say it behind your back. I'm going to say it to your face, and me and you are going to go outside, and we're going to fucking throw it down. That's how right. it is. That's how it is down south. Northeast isn't like that. They're going to talk shit behind your back. Then you hear from the fucking grapevine. Then you're 26 hours away. Then the motherfucker wants to start running his fucking mouth. Well, that's a fucking bitch, right. pussy-ass motherfucker right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, um now, you know, you've wrestled a lot of fucking guys. You've been all over the world. Um, you know, a lot of people have been put on that pedestal as far as tough, the necros, the damages. Who have you mm-hmm. been in the ring with that you would say is the toughest? 
Uh, the toughest guy, shoot, I would say, man, that's a coin flip between, like, say, Junkasai and Danny Havoc. As far as someone that could take the most abuse, uh, those are the two guys. Now, the people that can dish out the most abuse, like someone that could hit as fucking hard as you possibly could think of, Sean Hernandez, Necro, obviously. Um, even, like, for example, like, I've never wrestled with him, but he's one of my, you know, Training, like, guys that helped me train the school here, Ray Rowe, who is another fucking awesome talent, who, matter of fact, like, lives in Austin, Texas now. Um, mm-hmm. Heavy-handed guy, fucking well-rounded, and I'm telling you, just like I said, ACH, watch out in the next year or two. He's going to be everywhere. And, like, he's another one, like we were talking about earlier in the podcast. If you see him at the bar, you ain't going to fuck with that, dude. You know he's going to whoop your ass. Right. Um. <laughs> If you um you know had to pick three matches, if you had to make like um you know like an audition tape for for someone to see, who what would be the three matches that you would put on that tape? Uh, the three matches I would put on there, I would put me versus Ar Fox, uh, to show a point that like I can do the lucha, do the high flying, um, and it's something that's more up to date. And then I would put the match that I had with Sammy Callahan uh, in Germany or the arena. And I would put the match I had with Adam Cole. And even the match that I had with, uh, shit. Even with Michael Elgin and Danny Daniels promotion in AAW. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the matches that I would want to show now because those are the guys that are on top. And like, right. well, I always thought this guy just did the sheets of glass and the fire and all that bullshit. No, he's actually working with the top guys and guys that are actually in NXT and in TNA even Extreme Tiger or uh, Tiger Uno and TNA, like even the match with him. Uh, that's probably what I would be putting out there. Yeah, understandable because a lot of people don't know, you know, how well you can actually wrestle beyond the deathmatch style. Yeah. Um, you know, in the in the deathmatches, you've been really innovative over the years with the skewers and um, the, the gusset plates. How did you come up with the gusset plates? Uh, the gusset place is funny enough. Like, uh, I actually, when I get back from Japan, I would work with a buddy of mine, uh, flipping houses and, uh, did a lot of remodeling on homes. I actually enjoy doing that. And, uh, we're at Home Depot one time and I saw one of these plates and I was like, man, that'd be sick for like death matches. And at that time I wasn't even doing death matches. It was just an idea I had. And that was literally uh-huh. right at the time when I was about to do scramble cage for ROH. And it was just a, oh, wow. an idea I always had like years ago. And then finally finding someone that was crazy enough to be like, hey, man, I'll do that with you. And that was Danny Havoc. And, <laughs> yeah, that match was brutal. <laughs> that uh, that shot to the arm, did you expect it to happen that way? I, I didn't expect it to come out the way it did, like squirting out. And from the visual I had, you don't see it on the on the tape, but, like, literally, like, it looked like a hundred, like, piss holes were in my arm pissing out blood all at once. And I didn't expect that. And then I didn't know if it, like, if it ripped a chunk out of my arm or it just did a lot of punctures. And, uh, yeah, I didn't expect that, like, not at all. I knew it was going to be yeah, bad, but not alive. That It looked bad. intense. <laughs> yeah. It definitely looked intense. <laughs> yeah, it uh, I didn't expect it to be that bad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're working on a King of the Death match coming up. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm going to be making my first uh, live King of the Death match appearance. But um, Awesome. But, uh, you know, what's your thoughts over the years working for Ian Rodney? You know, he's gotten a lot of shit. I think he's a really, really innovative booker. Maybe gets in over his head a little bit. But um, what's your thoughts on, you know, working for Ian? 
Uh, I like Ann. You know what I mean? I like Ann a lot. And Ann actually books guys like, he doesn't like he doesn't put up with ass kissing if he wants a match booked and say for example like Necro versus Mojo, uh, Gabe wasn't going to book that in Ring of Honor. He's the one that booked it, you know. Right. Uh, matter of fact, Ends put me in there with like say like uh, B.J. Whitmer. No one's going to book mm-hmm. that. In booked it, you know. Just a lot of guys. Like he's a good booker. And as far as like things that people ever go like you know they want to work with him because of money. I understand that. Like if I go to a fucking show and say there's only five fucking people there. Well, obviously, he's not going to be able to pay me my guarantee. And I don't expect right. him to pay because, you know, he's got a family, he's got a kid. And I knew that situation coming in beforehand on how it is. And I don't consider him, like, you know, one of my bosses. I consider him one of my good friends. So right. that's where my take is on it. You know, I can do the math. I can count how many guys are here, how much he sold tickets for. And it's like, yeah, we're not going to make any money. Like, I understand that. I already got it. You know, I can't sure. blame him for that and, you know. It's one of those things, like, you kind of knew where you are going and getting into before you went there. And it happens all the time with other promotions. You know, if a guy can't pay you, he can't pay you. Well, look at the gate. There's nobody there. What do you expect? Right. Yeah. It's, that's not, like he, it's not like he had, like, 10,000 people there, and he's like, hey, I can't pay you. That's a different story. There's five right. people there or ten people. Well, it's obviously he can't pay you. And even then, like, the times that that's happened, and it still pulled money out of his pocket, and giving us to us, like, hey, get something to eat, and here's a take of gas, and I'm sorry about all this. And, like, just be straight up about it. I mean, that's why I like working for him. That's why I like IW Mid-South. Everybody's straight up. I don't deal with bullshit. Thing. And, I, you know, I'm only a fan, so uh, I can only see it from that side of things. But that's the one thing I've mm-hmm. always seen. It's not like Ian is, you know, he's rolling in cash, and it's like he's fucking all the boys. I mean, he, he doesn't have it to give. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the lip. thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's oh, sorry. It's the same thing. Like it was like the music scene. If uh, if a bar books a band and they don't pay them in advance and they're going off the gate, well, the band knows they're going off the gate. Now, right. say for example, like I just saw Goat Whore, uh, uh Shit, man, Sunday this past Sunday. I went and saw them. I haven't seen them in like 18 years. It was good seeing those guys. But the venue they ran at, they only had like 20 people, but they got paid in advance. I say if they were going off the gate, they would have got fucked. You know what I mean? As far as like their mm-hmm. finances go, they knew that going in beforehand. Right. So people got to think of it that way. It's like I said before, it's not like there's thousands or hundreds of people there where you know he has money. You know there is no money there. Five, ten people, like legit. Like you can't. He's not going to cover his roster, and you can't blame sure. him for that. So it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Well, what um you have a your own business and you uh you know you do leather work and you, you do carvings and stuff uh-huh. like that. When did you get started doing all that? Uh, I actually started doing like work like that type of custom work ever since I was fourteen years old. Um, it's something I've always enjoyed doing it. And uh, I do bone jewelry. I actually take like cow bones and carve them up into hooks or any kind of design you want, and also make skulls. And uh, if you ever talk to like Luke Hawks. And actually mm-hmm. interview him. He could tell you as long as I've known him, ever since I was like 17 years old, he'll tell you straight up, that's something I've always wanted to do since I was a teenager and a kid. Because uh, I used to always talk about it. I always wanted to do like exiled artifacts. And then finally now, like I'm sitting back and actually have the time to do it. Uh, we have an office. We have a, a great workspace. And like orders are coming in and people are like highly impressed with that. So, you know, it's just the artist side. People get to see that and like, you know, this is a different part of me. Um, 
So, yeah, I enjoy doing it. You know, I have a lot of fun. Matter of fact, I just did an order today that's going to go out tomorrow. And uh, if anybody's on Instagram, go to Exiled1999. That's me. Or go to Brigham Paul Jones, my shoot name, Masada. I mean, that's the legit me. So, and you can see all the work. Or go to Exiled Artifacts on Facebook or ExiledArtifacts.com. Uh, and if, the website actually will be up this week. So, check it out. Yeah, nice. I um I, I saw that uh it was a little while back, but I saw the June Kasai skull you did. That shit is awesome. Oh, thanks, bro. I appreciate How do you, uh, it. What do you make that out of? Like, what do you carve a skull out of? Uh, what I do is I actually take like a plaster of Paris mixed with a concrete mix, and from there do a molding of the skull, then start doing custom carvings out of it with uh, regular like, wood chisels and like stone stone carvers. And then from there, shape mm-hmm. it up, uh, go through the paint, uh, put a finish on it, and then put a foam bottom and stamp it off, and there you go. Matter of fact, I mean, you'll see it. I'll have the stuff. I'll actually have a few uh, few skulls at uh, IWA King of the Death matches, so they'll be there. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's good shit, man. Um, Before I let you go, um, could you do a drop for the show? What's that? Could you do a drop for the show? Like, you know, yeah. Listen, you because it kick radio, Masada, you know the whole. Put your own. Yeah, on no it. problem. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Well, everybody, you're listening to uh, wrestling podcast and Masada here. Uh, for everything you want to hear about wrestling, hear the truth or shoot, check out this podcast, and there you go. Also, keep referencing <laughs> independent wrestling and follow wrestling in general. Man, um, is there anything else you want to put out there? Uh, yeah, I think. Man, uh, anybody in the Northeast, you know, check out, like, uh, River City Wrestling. Uh, check out Anarchy uh, Championship Wrestling. You can actually buy the DVDs at Smart Mart Video. And also keep your eye out for Chalanga Mask uh, out of Mexico City. And also keep your eye out on World Wrestling League out of Puerto Rico. Uh, check these companies out. And hopefully pretty soon, uh, WWL Chalanga will be available for Smart Mart Video, so you all can all check it out. And uh, just to let the world know, I did not retire. And if anybody wonders why I'm not fucking there and, you know, certain companies I was, just ask me and I'll tell you the truth. And, you know, all the little bitches that want to say otherwise, fuck them. They already know who they are and that is how it is. But that's about it. <laughs> and thanks for the support. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah, man. Thank thanks you. so much for coming on. I'd love to have you back on in the future too, man. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it, man. It was a good time. Thank you. All right. Have a good night, man. You too, bro. You're it up. There you go. That is the ultra violent beast, Masada. Good fucking dude. And, uh, you know, hope everybody enjoyed that. Great shit. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Where the fuck are the tracks I just put up earlier? Jesus Christ. All right. Um, let me see. Oh, man. Sometimes you hit refresh on this thing, and, uh, you know, it just, it, it sorts it how it, it feels like sorting things. All right, there you go, some Moby Truck. Every man determines his definition of realness. What's real to him? Everybody got their own definition of gangster, man. Okay. This is my definition of gangster, Surprise, motherfuckers. 
You thought I never would arise, motherfuckers. It's overtrived, motherfuckers. Look in the eyes of a real guy. I ain't got time for lies. Niggas frontin' like they lies. Nigga, you're not tough. These seats to bluff. These streets are too heated up for you to front. Dre late to beat. Heated up for you to bump. Real name, no gimmicks. Give my niggas what they want. Come on. Fuck an image and a blunt that ain't rap, dog. Be who you wanna be, but let it be fat, dog. We'll never let a nigga tell you how you should act, dog. Especially when you fucking with automatic gas, dog. These niggas ain't playing. I'm saying, I'm spraying. Do my dirty work with my hands. I'm a man. Laying a nigga down, he advanced. You fucking with my plans. I'm looking for the blue. Look in my eyes. Man, there's a love I can hate. Cause it's a thin line. Walk around with my chest out. Like I got nine lines. Never will get to get strapped. Before I find mine. Wonder what the future is like. Look in my, look look in my eyes. Really?
I was saying before Masada called in, these motherfuckers at Blog Talk are killing me. Uh, I couldn't call into my own goddamn show. The fucking shit was giving me a busy signal telling me, like, hey, call back later. And I'm like, yo, you got to be fucking kidding me. I started the show, tried to start the show. I set the whole thing up, and I went to go call in. It's giving me the busy fucking signal. Meanwhile, 9 o'clock, I look at my screen on my um, little switchboard thing. Lasada's there fucking on the screen already. He's already ready to go in the fucking queue. I can't call into my own motherfucking show to start it. So a guest could call in, but I can't call in to hit the fucking button to even start this bitch. So it's not like I could call in as another guest because without the host calling in to start it, you're fucked. So blog talk is fucking killing me, and they better get their fucking shit together because this is the second show in a row. On Saturday I did the shit, and I I couldn't hear a motherfucking thing. It was so ridiculously garbled. I would have got a lot, lot more out of that um, interview I did with um, Deranged and Toby, but I could barely hear. Like, I could hear the words just enough to know what they said, but it was, like, very difficult to tell, you know, either Toby or Brandon were talking to me, you know, who who was talking to me, and, like, it was very difficult to make out the words, so, like, to go further in and really try to, like, delve into it further, you know, I, I wanted to, but I couldn't. I just, I couldn't get enough, you know, um, you know, communication, like, where I, I couldn't hear this shit good enough. Luckily, it all came through really good on the recording, and it was good for everybody else. But even, like, when I played those audio clips through my speaker, it was so blown out and distorted, I couldn't even hear what they were hearing at all. So it was fucking crazy. And, and it was like, well, you could hear by their reactions and stuff that they actually did hear what I played. And I, I listened to it back, and you could hear it all on the recording. But it's insane to even try to explain to everybody that, like, what I was hearing through my speaker is not even remotely close to what you guys heard on the recording. So I'm glad it ended up well, but holy fuck, that shit was hard. So two shows in a row, I've had, like, tremendous challenges with this fucking blog talk. Anyway, um, last night the Cavs went up 2-1. Very fucking happy about that shit. Um Bella Vadova stepped the fuck in when um, Irving went down. See, this is the thing, man. People never, ever stop fucking sleeping on LeBron. People don't stop sleeping on fucking the Cavs. And it's all LeBron. It's all fucking LeBron hate. When Love went down, um, they said the Bulls were just going to sweep in Cavs. They were just going to sweep them. That was it. I heard several people that do that shit for a living, professional fucking broadcasters, talking about the Bulls are going to sweep the Cavs. It's over. Without love, no fucking way could they compete in in a series. That's it. So, Bulls go home. We get into this series. Fucking Irving breaks his motherfucking kneecap. They're like, well, these motherfuckers on ESPN actually said the words, this must be a, this is this is good for LeBron because now he won't get blamed when they lose. They're talking about that this dude breaking his kneecap was a good thing for LeBron because they were going to lose, but then they blame LeBron. Now that the dude's kneecap is broke, they're still going to lose, but now they won't blame LeBron. 
you see the kind of bullshit that this is? You see the kind of bullshit that, that they're putting out there to the motherfucking world? Della Dova, this little scrappy motherfucker came in there, and he was outscoring fucking Curry. The NBA MVP outscoring that motherfucker, diving all over the floor, scrappy as shit, busting his. thing about LeBron James is he makes everybody on his team better. That's why I am a, I am a avid fuck Michael Jordan advocate. Uh, I am a a fuck Michael Jordan enthusiast. I I do not like the motherfucker. I am not sold on this guy's the best that'll ever walk the planet. Point blank, fucking end end of story. Fuck all of that bullshit. Of course, every I don't need to fucking pump Michael up. And say anything about Michael that everybody doesn't already know. He is what everybody knows he fucking is. But as far as a better total player than LeBron James, he's fucking not. He's not. You want to talk up and down about they fucking built the team around LeBron. They built the team around LeBron. Michael Jordan had a fucking team that was pretty fucking stacked around him with Scottie Pippen. And motherfucking Horace Grant. And and fucking um, Steve Kerr. I mean, you had a fucking team that brought in Rodman. Yeah, I mean, get the fuck out of here. One of the best rebounders of all time he had on his fucking team, scooping up rebounds. Wasn't Jordan grabbing the rebounds? Oh, fucking LeBron rebounds. LeBron's a fantastic fucking passer. That dude makes everybody on his team fucking better. He blocks shots. He rebounds. He assists. Every fucking thing. Everything. Them motherfuckers are finally getting it. The announcer said the other night, not only is LeBron James Michael Jordan, he's also Magic Johnson. And that's the fucking truth. You get those two things together, and he's so powerful in the post. Yeah, I mean, he's a physically powerful dude. He doesn't just have a good shot and a pretty-looking dunk like Jordan. And obviously, that's a little understating what what Jordan was because, you know, he's a motherfucking statue as far as the NBA goes. But put it all together. And, and you can go out of your way to keep fucking – Throwing Michael Jordan's step. Michael Jordan's done playing. LeBron ain't done. There's going to be some stats that Michael Jordan has, or whether it be rings in the end, or whether it be this, or whether it be that. There's going to be a couple stats that Michael Jordan outdoes LeBron in. Why? Because Michael Jordan was a real fucking special player. Fucking news bulletin. Okay? But there's going to be categories that LeBron smacks Michael Jordan around in. There's going to be more categories that LeBron beats Jordan in than there will be that Jordan beats LeBron in. Of course, people will treat those categories that Mike wins like they're more important than anything else. You know what I mean? Like, I even saw people last night, the Cavs went up fucking 20 points on a team that was just going to squash them because Irving was out, right? The Cavs go up 20 points on that team. They let the fucking lead go. And now they're down to the final. I saw people posting, even if they win, this is a huge loss to them because they gave up that lead. Motherfucker, they win the game. I don't give a fuck how big a lead that they gave up. It's fucking over. You still go home. Stop trying to hand them a loss even in a win. This is what motherfuckers do. LeBron wins are like, oh, the fucking refs. Oh, the refs are a fucking LeBron. Fucking LeBron. He was getting fouled and fouled and fouled and fouled the other night. Fucking nothing. They ain't calling shit. They called a bullshit foul on fucking Curry on the other end, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they were trying to give them the fucking game. And, they, you know, 
So it, it is what it is, but I just I love watching LeBron haters fucking crumble and just fucking fold and start making excuses. It's, it's one of the, my my most favorite things in the world. Um, I'm you know I'm a Miami Heat fan. That's that's what it is there. But LeBron James is my favorite basketball player right now. So all time my favorite player is Shaq. Current LeBron James. So either way, if the Heat aren't winning titles, I want LeBron to win every one of these motherfuckers. And he ain't going to win no fucking titles anytime soon. Um, you know, I mean, Bosch went out with a fucking blood clot in his fucking lung. Uh, Wade is looking at other teams next year. There's some rebuilding to be done. So, But either way, I'm riding with my guys. But in the meantime, LeBron could go snatch up all these fucking titles and these haters just suck a dick. So that's that. Um, Chris Hero just fucking raised... $3,440 for ALS. He wrestled three-plus hours. He wrestled, um, and he, he said he would, uh, for every 30 minutes he wrestled, he would uh, raise $500 for ALS. So he raised $3,440 because he wrestled for fucking three-plus hours. It was like a gauntlet match type thing. You had uh, Tarek in there. You had um, um, Jason Kincaid. You had uh, Facade. Facade, however you want to say that. Rich Swan was up in there. Um, you know, a lot of you know guys wrestled them again and again. But um, this, this is what this shit is. You know what I mean? It, he wrestled for fucking over fucking three hours, and um, yeah, that's 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 fucking insane, absolutely insane. So, um, now kudos to that fucking guy. Uh, good shit. Um, I do want to touch on this a little bit. I'm going to talk more about it over the next coming weeks, but um. John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley called out DJ Hyde on a CCW show. Not CCW, CCW. And more or less said that, like, you don't think we're good enough to, you know, uh, you know, be in your tournament. You don't think I'm good enough to be in your tournament. I'm going to fucking show up and beat the shit out of you and this and this. And I immediately fucking light bulbs started going off in my head. And I don't know if this is going to – I personally can't imagine that my thought process um, or my expectations of what this could be can actually be reached. I I just don't think so. And, you know, it's not me just being negative, but believe me, I I have a a much more creative mind than DJ Hyde. I just – I know that for a fact. I live it. So, you know – my mind works very fucking well. I don't I don't own or run a wrestling company, nor will I ever own or run a wrestling company. So it is what it is. You know, it's going to be uh, however DJ's thought process works is what we're going to get. But my thoughts is how awesome would an IWA versus CZW, IWA Mid-South, I should say, because otherwise you get fucking – Shitbirds, as Tank likes to call them, fucking running in if it's a deep south. Um, IWA Mid South versus CZW feud in 2015. How fucking awesome would that be? 
Um, you have Reed Bentley and John Wayne Murdoch, who I believe will show up and run in on, on Tournament of Death. I, I fully believe that's going to happen. That part, I got. But, um, you know, how awesome would it be if they did this full-blown feud, trading talent back and forth, these guys get more bookings, these you know, more paydays for the guys, and for the fans, it creates a whole new environment of, you know, suspense. And it's not just like we just got finished talking with Masada. It's just like everything else. They need to pull those fucking magnets off, stick them on their fucking TV so they don't work anymore. And then, um, you know, maybe they could stop watching other fucking products and copying what they're doing. Take those fucking like nothing else fucking magnets, break your fucking televisions with them, and stop watching other people's DVDs because you're just fucking putting on the same shit everybody else is. Um, this this type of thing, back in the day, obviously, when they did it, the, the crossover angle, you know, you can't. You can't just recreate that, and that's not what I'm saying to do. You're going to do another version of that same obvious uh, type of thing. What I propose that you do is you start off with this, but the fact of the matter is they're already heading in a very, very bad direction. problem is, is DJ Hyde is not a face. He wants to be a face. I believe he can be a face. He cannot be a face by being a fucking wrestler. He can wrestle. He can't become a face through being a wrestler. He can only become a face through being an owner. That's the only fucking way. Your shooting star press is, hey, I booked the Young Bucks next month. That's your fucking, that's your finishing move. Not fucking, hey, I'll fucking see you in the ring, buddy. No one gives a fuck. You grab the mic, still nobody gives a fuck. Now, here, here's what I think should happen. As far as those guys come in, fucking, those guys come in, and they, they attack DJ Hyde. DJ Hyde immediately goes, you want to fuck with CZW because part of what they called out is, you know, anybody who represents CZW will fucking take you out too, right? So they come in there, they attack DJ Hyde, you immediately put the on Nick Gage. You say, you want to fuck with CZW, you want to fucking see what CZW is all about, I'm going to send the man Nick fucking Gage down to your fucking house. And guess what? Two weeks from now, he's going down to King of the Death Match. So now, right away, the seeds are already fucking completely planted for two shows to really kick this shit off. Now you now all of a sudden he's in a deathmatch tournament down there and it has meaning not just Gage's book and, and uh, King of the Deathmatch. Not to mention that you can work a little bit of work shoot situation with him just shitting all over Ian on his last fucking on all these shoots talking about Ian can't work and all those guys know how to do is cut their forehead and throw themselves through a table and fucking Ian's the worst and blah 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 blah. You know hey work shoot that into some fucking money. So, anyway, he goes down there. He works some type of shit. Um, I think you bring fucking Congo Kong into CZW to have them fucking square off. Either, you know, you can have him square off with Gage. You can um, have Isaiah come in, who I believe is their world champion right now, 
champion versus champion, Isaiah versus Jeeves. Um, there's a lot of talent that CZW fans have been wanting to see, such as the hooligans. The hooligans come in, and they represent IWA. Big shit. You can bring Tank in, representing IWA. There's a lot of different guys that you can work and make this a fucking super big fucking crossover angle and, um, you know, trade talent back and forth, and you can work it really well. I think, obviously, you know, if anyone's listening to me, and, uh, you know, following through what I do, it will be a completely spoiled surprise, but I don't book CGW, so it's not going to happen. Um, down the road, the big fucking twist angle would be fucking Chris Hero comes in. Chris Hero's booked on a one-shot deal, uh, you know, either part of a tag match or part of something on the show. He comes down to the ring to help save CGW, fucking turns. He's an IWA guy, always has been from day one. You know, um, he spent enough time in CZW and, and, you know, even went as the savior of CZW, even represented CZW in the CZW versus Ring of Honor feud. You know what I mean? So it would be believable enough that he's defending CZW, fucking turn IWA style, you know, and then, then you got, you know, Hero Gage feuding and shit. I mean, there's so much they could do so much they could do with this that would be original and would be unique and um, specific to IWA Mid-South and CZW. Um, It wouldn't be a Beyond Angle. It wouldn't be something that they're running fucking next week in Gabe's companies. It wouldn't just be another match that's in uh, Gorilla. It would be company versus that company, and you'd have to tune into those products to see what's going to happen next. And um, there's so much that could be done, especially now with CZW's on iPay-Per-View. I'd love to see and you know, have his stuff go on iPay-Per-View too. But, you know, so far it hasn't happened. But either way, it could be, you know, really pushed well, you know, by the Internet presence now. So much more so than it was back then because there wasn't the Internet presence. So I, I think there's tremendous amount of things that can be done with it. I really, really do. Um, but... Again, this is all wishful thinking of, uh, you know, me just hoping for the best. It would have to be done, and it would have to be done right. I don't know if both of those things are uh, capable of happening. But I'm I'm looking forward to anything that may come out of this. Um, I think just getting the new talent, you know, the um, the Josh Cranes in here, you know, and if uh, Bentley and uh, Murdoch are showing up, then, yeah, that's another more tremendous talent. They need uh, Dale Patrick's in there. You know, there's a bunch of guys they should definitely bring in. Um, But either way, CZW presents Tournament of Death 14 at the Ultraviolet Underground on Saturday. I'm fucking looking forward to it. This will be the first of two deathmatch tournaments that I'm attending this month. This and then King of the Death two weeks later, which is going to be just a tremendous, tremendous fucking one-of-a-kind weekend for me traveling 11 hours to fucking uh, Indiana. I've never been to Indiana, so it's it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fucking nuts. I, I don't know when the last time I've been off three days in a row is. This is this is going to be a first for a lot of people. Um, that was probably the last time I was off fucking three days in a row. Jesus Christ. This, this will not be a stomach flu. Um, so, fans bring the weapons. DJ Hyde versus Connor Claxton versus Nick Gage in a three-way dance. Uh, Pits and strips match. 
Matt Tremont versus Josh Crane. You got Ron Mathis versus Jake Crist in a barbed wire boards match. Light two bundles match of Ricky Shane Page and Danny Havoc. And then non-tournament, you have a scaffold match of Devin Moore and Dave Crist, who I think are going to fucking kill that shit in the scaffold. Um, non-tournament, LOL match. Ladders, orange sacks, and Legos. Uh, Lucky 13 versus Eric Ryan. And obviously everything else that comes with a tournament, semis and finals and everything else. Um, really looking forward. The only thing that sucks for me is uh, this will be my first general admission tournament at death. I've been to fucking over 10 of these things, front row at every, almost every one of them. And uh, it fucking blows, man. I, I, I really can't get fucking good seats at CZW regularly anymore. It's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. After attending for pretty much 11 years straight, only missing a handful of shows, it fucking blows it. I mean, you just you pretty much can't get your spot back. I mean, there's motherfuckers that have been going for two years that are legit every fucking month front row guys now, and there's nothing you could do about it. You know, it's uh, there's no loyalty on the side of CZW uh, management. And, uh, you know, I mean, what can you do? It is what it is. Uh, I mean, two years into me going, I would have hated if someone kicked me out of my spot, too. So it is what it is. But, you know, either way, I'm going to enjoy myself. It's going to be a great fucking time. Um, What else? What else? What else? But there was something else I wanted to mention. Um, I don't know. But, um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, it's going to be a really, really entertaining show. Jesus Christ, my uh, my cat was just typing on my iPod. Um, I think that's about all I got, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Cat was uh, fucking laying on the iPad and just putting letters all over it. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I got. hope everybody enjoyed the interview. Um fucking go Cavs for tomorrow night hopefully go up 3-1 protect that fucking home court and uh you know fuck the haters man that, that's uh very uh very big on that um let me see uh obviously the outro rough but um yeah and then also shit um next week I should also be having, not only will I have the review of Tournament of Death, I will also have American Kickboxer coming on the show. And uh, he's got a lot of opinions and thoughts on a lot of things. He's the uh, trainer of the Naptown Dragons. You know, uh, tons of experience in the business, tons of life experience. Guy was raised in Detroit and, uh, you know, uh, I have a lot of things to talk to that guy about. It's going to be a very entertaining show. And then, you know, just following that show, I have my, um, my battle frog race. So I got a crazy busy June. I got, uh, races and, uh, death match tournaments and great shit, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it all. So, um, that's what's up, man. Thanks for listening. Check you motherfuckers out next week. Peace.
birthday. 